Hey, Trailblazers, it's Jesse. Welcome to another episode of Trailblazing in Agriculture, a podcast for anyone interested in hearing the stories of the agriculture industry's pioneers and innovators. Today's guest is Danielle Rogers. Danielle grew up on the Babbitt Ranch. Comprised of more than 700,000 acres, the Babbitt Ranch is the second largest ranch in Arizona. Danielle's dad and granddad both managed the ranch, so she grew up helping and working on the extensive operation. Today, Danielle's husband, Clay, is the ranch manager, and together they are raising their four children on the ranch. In addition to being a wife, mom, and homeschool teacher, Danielle is co-owner of the Cowhorse Gallery, which features the artwork of cowboy artists Bill Owen and Michael Donahue. In today's episode, Danielle shares about her life on the Babbitt Ranch, discusses the start of Cowhorse Gallery, and talks about how she balances her various roles. I can't wait for you to hear Danielle's story. Welcome to the podcast, Danielle. Thanks so much for taking time to visit with me today. Thanks so much for having me. As we get started, Danielle, would you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm 33 years old. Um, I'm the youngest daughter of Vic and Jamie Howell. My dad, he ran Babbitt Ranches um, for 30 plus years. Um, so I was born and raised at Babbitt's. Um, I got married right out of high school to my husband, Clay, and we've been married for 15 years and have four kids. For those unfamiliar with Babbitt Ranch, can you tell us a little bit about about the operation and and a little bit about it, Danielle? Yeah, so Babbitt's is located in um, northern Arizona. It's the second largest cattle ranch in Arizona, and it's about 750,000 acres. So it's a, a large cattle ranch. On a normal year when we're not in a drought, we run 4,500 cows. We also have a horse prep program, um, the Hash Knife Horses, where we sell colts to the public. And that's always the second Saturday of July is the Babbitt Ranch colt sale. So then you just finished that colt sale just like a couple weeks ago, We did. Yeah. So we finished it. It would have been about two weeks ago that we finished that. It was the first year to do it. Um, without my dad. Yeah. And so your dad, was really involved with Babbitt ranches, right? You said for, for many years. Right. So he was the um, ranch manager for 35 years. So my husband has always worked for my dad. How was the Colt sale this year? I mean, I know it was obviously different without your dad here and with the drought, I'm sure that was different too. How did it compare maybe to previous years? So it went really good. The Colts were very high selling this year, our highest average that we've ever had. Um, so the Colts sell went great, but yeah, we're in a drought. That doesn't really affect the Colts sell as much as the cattle side of Babbitt's. For the Colts sale, do you welcome like a lot of people to the ranch from our, across the country, Danielle? Yeah. So people come from all over the country. Um, we have probably around 350 people here at the Colts sale this year. How long has the colt sale or or selling the horses been part of the ranch? So my grandpa started doing the colt sale, but it was a little bit different. It was called the colt branding. And a few people would come out and they would brand the colts. And some people just were having interest in buying Babbitt horses. And so they started it as where they would put their names in a hat and draw a name out and And they started it like that. And then it kind of evolved into a big horse program. We had it for a long time on the other side of the ranch. And then now it's over here at headquarters. To hear how it evolved from putting names in a hat and and drawing them out. And even for you seeing 
you know, from growing up on the ranch, how the quilt sale has evolved. I bet it has been kind of a fun experience for you too. Yeah, it's super fun. I love um, having the quilt sale. Last year we weren't able to have it because of COVID-19 and we were bummed. Um, so yeah, it was exciting to be able to have it again this year. So then what happened with the Colts last year, Danielle? We sell the Colts as, as babies, and then they get turned back out with their, with the mares until the next March. So then the people will come and pick them up in the, that next March because of COVID-19, we kept them until March. We halter broke them and then just private treaty sold them. Do you normally private treaty sell Colts like on a normal year? No. So we don't really ever do it that way. We always just um, sell the Colts at, at the Colt sale. And then that's kind of when you can get a Babbitt Colt. So it was very different to sell on private treaty one by one this year. And I'm sure like all of us are feeling it was nice to have the sale back for you, like just to have that sense of normalcy for you and your operation. For sure. Yeah. So that was, that was super nice. And we just didn't enjoy enjoyed the cult cell. I we've done it like that since I was a kid. And so to get that kind of taken away, you realize how much you really enjoy it and appreciate doing stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. Well, I want to backtrack just a little bit. Um, you told us a little bit about the operation of Babbitt Ranch um, and that your dad managed it for 34 years. And it sounds like your grandpa managed it before that. What is some of that like history? How long has Babbitt Ranch been around Danielle and, and things like that? Like, how did it get started? Five brothers came down from Cincinnati and bought Babbitts and started this ranch. And so it's been in the same family for 135 years. So that's that's kind of a cool thing. My dad managed it for um, 30 plus years and then my grandpa managed it before him. So it's kind of been in our family as far as the management side for quite some time. How did like your grandpa get connected with it, Danielle, then for it to be in your family now? Okay. So yeah, he lived up North um, and he came down here um, with his wife and family looking for a job and saw some signs in Flagstaff and um, some people told him that he ought to come out and check it out. So he came out here and um, talked to Frank Banks was managing at at the time. So talked to Frank Banks' wife and Um, She said that they were camped somewhere else um, and gave him directions how to get up there. So he, she actually gave him a couple shirts to take to Frank because they had been out so long. So he went up there and asked Frank um, if he had anything and Frank told him he didn't. Um, So then he left and got back to his car and remembered that he needed to take Frank those shirts. So he walked back up there to give him the shirts and Frank had asked him if, if he could start some some Bronx and that's what he had done up North. So he told them, yeah, that's what I had done up North. And so he gave him a job to start Bronx. Um, so he did that. And then after that, he took the Redlands camp. So yeah, that's how that started. That's cool. It's a very large operation. You talked a little bit about that. So you said you're at headquarters, but are there different than like, like how was it kind of set up like geographically, I guess, or, or what does that kind of look like? So yeah, here at headquarters, um, there's a few different families that live right here. This is where I was raised. Um, And so then there's different camps on the ranch. So um, there's a camp five miles from here, and that's where Clay was raised as a kid. And then you can go to the west, and there's a camp about 25 minutes from here and another one further out. 
Um, and then there's the other side of the ranch, which we call the cataract. It's two hours from here. And there's four different camps on that side of the ranch. So when you say camps, can you tell me what, like what that means or what's all entailed in that? A camp is basically, it will be your, your house, your barn type thing that each camp doesn't necessarily have a married family there. Um, so some of them do, and, and some of them, some of them don't we have quite a few less people working here right now because our cow numbers are down so much. So on a normal year, Danielle, how many people does it take to run the operation? How many workers are there kind of running the cows and and the horses? On a normal year, there's probably, I'm just going to guess eight to 10 different cowboys that, that work here. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're just stationed at all those different camps, right? So yeah, each cowboy will have his own country that he takes care of. So when you have the 750,000 acres, each cowboy will have maybe three to four, somewhere in there, maybe even five different pastures that he takes care of. He takes care of the water and the cows and all of that. That's what what Clay did for a long time. We lived on the other side of the ranch um, on the SP camp, and he took care of that country where like now he doesn't really have his own country. He's more like my dad was. He manages the ranch and then the cowboys take care of the cows in the country. It's really neat that you and Clay both grew up on the ranch and and we'll talk a little bit about that here in a little bit, but for you growing up on Babbitt Ranch, can you talk a little bit about what that was like, Danielle? Yeah. So I think it was great. There wasn't a day that, that I had that I was like, I wished I lived in town. Lots of memories get made when you are a kid and you get up, get to go get up and work with your dad or work with your granddad. So that's super cool to be able to do that, um, even on the days that I didn't want to go um, and dad would make us go. Because we lived on the ranch, I was able to have experiences that a lot of kids don't have and maybe... I could say some people dream of, of having this lifestyle. And so it's such a blessing to be able to have that. But I also got to rodeo and ride amazing horses. When you were working on the ranch and helping, what were some of the things that you would do? Like, what were some of the tasks that you, you did? We worked with, with the crew of guys as kids. Get up in the morning, go to breakfast, gather the pasture, trail the cows or brand the calves or wean, sort. I mean, we did it all the stuff just with the guys, which was kind of different than a lot of people because, you know, things have changed now to where women go more, but it isn't always on these big outfits um, looked highly upon for the girls to be going. And dad didn't care. He took all three of us girls. So yeah, we got to learn that occupation. I think it's neat. I kind of grew up in that same way. Like I tagged along with my dad and and my brothers on the farm and and doing stuff with our cattle and just like the lessons that you get to learn and and the memories that you get to make and um, wouldn't change it for anything. And it sounds like it's very similar for you too. For sure. Yeah. The memories. Yeah. It's just really ideal place to live lifestyle to have. And now you're getting to raise your kids there too. And how, how is that? Is that kind of fun and special for you and Clay to do that as well? For sure. It's so cool. I was just thinking about this the other day when 
Elizabeth came home with some stories and I'm like, I can relate to her stories because I know the pastures, I know the cows, I know the stuff. And so I assume then that they get to take along with their dad. Right. So Thomas and Elizabeth, the older two, Thomas is 14, Elizabeth is 12. Like during the spring works this year, they went every day. Yeah. Just like us, us kids did. And then Benjamin and Matthew, Benjamin's nine and Matthew's eight. They kind of traded out every other day, but like today, right now they're with clay gathering a pasture and moving across the highway. Um, so yeah, they go a lot and Elizabeth enjoys it more than I did. She is a cowgirl. And of course the boys love it because I mean, Thomas, that's all he wants to do. He would rather just quit school and just start cowboying now. So yeah, it's great. They go, they go a lot. Yeah. And what does school look like then, Danielle, for the kids? I know like they go with their dad a lot. So then do you homeschool? Like how far are you from like town or what does that look like? So right now we're living like 45 minutes from town. So it's really not that bad. A bus comes out here. They could go to school. So we choose not to send them to public school. When we lived on the SP side, we were two hours from town. And so I had to homeschool. But then once we came over here, I kind of had thoughts, maybe we would send them to school, but Clay definitely has a strong opinion of homeschooling. And so that's what we do. They get to go during the spring works because we try to have our school year done the end of April. And so we don't necessarily take like spring break and fall break and barely even a Christmas break. Um, We just try to push right through school, get them into April so that they can go all spring. That's kind of our goal and seems like how it works best for our family. The fall kind of is tricky because Thomas wants to go on the fall works and I kind of want him to do school. So we're trying kind of a new thing this year where we're kind of starting school. Well, we actually kind of started this week, just a small amount. Try to see if we can kind of get ahead And then maybe he could go for a couple weeks during the fall. Um, We haven't ever done it quite like this this year until this year. And so we'll see how it works. But just planning homeschool kind of around your lifestyle to where the kids can can go and enjoy what they enjoy the most, but still be getting their school done. What's it like being both mom and teacher homeschooling your kids? I'll be completely honest. That's kind of hard. I don't love necessarily homeschooling. I love the, what you get from homeschooling, but I don't love being the teacher. I wasn't a fan of school when I was in high school. And so it's not like my dream job, but we like it because, well, we don't care for the um, sin of the world getting crammed down our kids' throats. And we like it because we want to be able to pick our Bible-based curriculum and um, have that kind of an impact on our kids. We teach a certain curriculum where you are going through the Bible every year, and we really want our kids to know the Bible. And so that that works um, really well. But as far as being the mom and teacher, it can be hard. Yeah, I can imagine. I have like complete respect for the, for moms like you who homeschool their kids and, and have to play both roles. And, and like you said, but it's kind of nice because you have some of that control over the things that you get to, to teach them and um, to instill in them. And and that time I feel like is so short. My mom homeschooled all three of us girls. So 
I wasn't scared of homeschooling, although I knew it wouldn't be like my favorite job to do. But you looking back, you really appreciate like mom taking the time to homeschool us girls. There's so much we appreciate about it. And I, I'm really thankful that Clay has the job that makes me able to stay home and homeschool the kids. Um, so that, that might not work for, for everybody, but it does for us. And, and it's, I am thankful that we can do that. My mom always tells a story because my brother has always wanted her to homeschool. And she always says, I could never homeschool because your dad would come and get you and he would come get you at eight o'clock in the morning or six o'clock. And I wouldn't see you till 10 o'clock and then have to do school. So I'm sure, like you said, with your kids who love to be out, sometimes you have to balance that. And it sounds like you're working on that too. Yeah, it, it really is such a balance. And sometimes I just want to be like, you know, I have a job just in homeschooling. Can everybody just leave me alone so that I can teach school? Um because it gets hard when you have the different parts of life pulling at you and you need to go here and do that. And this person needs this and just trying to be like, no, this is my job. I have to teach these kids school. Um, so yeah. And Clay's really good about making sure that the kids are getting their school done before he's expecting them to go work. He really is good at letting me say, no, they can't help if that is what needs to happen. That's great. Sounds like you guys are a great team. No, thanks. Yeah. And so you said that Clay also grew up on Babbitt Ranch. What was his family's connection to the ranch or how long have they kind of been connected, Danielle? Yeah. So his dad um, worked for my grandpa and then worked for my dad. Um, He was a cowboy um, and had the camp five, five miles from here at headquarters. So Clay and I really grew up around each other. Clay's actually eight years older than me. So he was here when I was born. His family's worked here. His brother still works here at a camp. His sister um, left here a couple years ago. She got married and left, but she cooked for the ranch for a long time. And so um, their family definitely has a lot of ties to the ranch also. Do you live around then other families like on the ranch, Danielle? Here at headquarters, there's three different um, houses And so my mom, well, my mom and dad were living in the one and then he passed away. So my mom still lives there. And then the other house actually has my cousin and his wife living there, which has been such a blessing, super fun. Um, They have a daughter that's the same age as Elizabeth. So now Elizabeth isn't the only girl running around with all the boys. Do you have other family working at the ranch then, like you said, your cousin and and your mom is still there, Danielle. Does it extend beyond for your family, people working on the ranch? So right now, like I said, Clay's brother is at one of the camps. Clay's dad and mom are still here living in that same camp. Um, His dad's now the waterman. So he hauls a lot of the water and does the pipeline and that side of things. For a long time, um, my older sister and her husband ran the cataract side of things at Redlands camp. Um, and they actually moved last year to New Mexico. So we haven't, that's why that I said that house is empty. We haven't even filled that camp that they lived in. So right now there's not as much family, but for a long time, there was just a lot of family here. And I bet that's really fun for you and for your kids just to have that that closeness to both sides of your family and and to be able to do that and raise your kids that way. Yeah, it's great. I always was telling Clay, like, we're living the dream, having family here, living on the ranch that we love, 
you know, doing Clay loves his job, everything about it. So just having, being able to raise our four kids like this, it's, it really is a wonderful lifestyle. Was it kind of always the dream, Danielle? I mean, for you growing up to remain involved in the ranch? Yeah, it's kind of funny to think about because I never really thought about ever leaving. I just figured this is kind of where I would be. And then for that, like as an adult, you realize, wow, that could have not worked out well. (laughs) Um, So to think how God had that plan of me marrying Clay and us being able to stay here and now him turning into the ranch manager, um, God had that definitely worked out. And yeah, it's a super fun thought to think of all the steps that went into this. It's kind of fun to think about how God orchestrates all of those things before, you know, we even think about it and have to worry about it. He's just all in his plan. For sure. And, and I'm always wanting to get stressed out about the little things in life. And I'm just like, oh, good grief. I need to just chill out and let God work his plan out. Yes. And it always works out better when we do that, doesn't it? (laughs) Oh, it does. Yeah. Because usually our plans aren't going to really work out anyways, and they always get changed. So we might as well just chill out about things. Well, talking about plans, Danielle, Let's talk about Cow Horse Gallery and maybe how that happened and your business and what that looked like starting that and if that was part of the plan or how it came to be. So it wasn't part of the plan at all. We had some good friends, Ron and Sharon Burnt, and they sold artwork and they would come to the cult cells and set up their little booth um, and sell billow and artwork. We just kind of got to know him through that. Ron ended up being the um, auctioneer at the Colt cell for a lot of years. And, um, we got to be friends with him. So his wife ended up having a stroke, um, and he needed to take care of her full time. And so he was out for the Colt cell visiting with my mom up at the house and mentioned that he wished he could find somebody that could sell some of these prints, you know, on that internet thing online. Mom was like, Oh, wow. You should talk to Danny. She kind of likes to do that kind of stuff. So he talked to me about it. And honestly, I was a little bit like, I don't know that that's going to be for me. Like, I'll do it to help Ron out. But like, I just was like, okay, well, Clay really pushed me into being like, just, just try it. So I was like, okay, we'll do this. So Ron sent me out about 30 billow and prints and I got online and sold the 30 prints and called them back in a couple of weeks and was like, okay, well, I got those sold. I'll send you the money. And he said, okay, well, I'll send you more. And I was like, more? I thought, I didn't realize you even had more. So he said, yeah, he has a lot more. So that's how it like started. He was sending me the prints and I was selling them, but I didn't really realize in the beginning what this was going to turn out to. It just like fell into my lap. And I realized how much I actually enjoyed doing this. Um, I enjoy Bill Owens artwork. It's of my family. It's of the ranch. It's of even when it's not the Baba ranch, it's, you know, the ROs or the diamond A's and people we know. Um, and so I enjoy, I really enjoyed Bill Owens art. Um, and so that's how, how it very first started. And then how has it transitioned then, um, from you getting the prints from Ron and then selling them? How has it kind of transitioned Danielle? Ron still sends me different prints and because he has all the lithographs. Um, so he has stacks of lithographs. Some he only has two or three left. Some he has a hundred left. So 
I have all those and he just sends them to me as I need them. But a year and a half ago, no, maybe two years ago, um, Valerie, Bill's late wife, Valerie Owen, she had said that she was kind of ready to retire and, and not sell Bill's artwork anymore. So I contacted her and asked her if she would let me take over that side for her too. So I took over Valerie's side. We went into business, the three of us, Ron, Valerie, and myself. And we decided we wanted to put a website together. So we built that website and it was just the three of us for a little while. And then Michael Donahue had been coming out for a few years and starting to kind of paint Babbitt pictures. And we kind of started to get to know him. And so I asked him if he would want to come on board with us. And so that's how we got the two artists, Michael and Bill. Um, and yeah, that's how the, the business kind of has started. Can you talk a little bit about Bill Owen and his artwork? I mean, you said a little bit like he's painted Babbitt ranches and, you know, other ranchers that, you know, but can you talk a little bit about him and Michael's work as well? We'll start with Bill, I guess. Um, he really was just an amazing artist, but he also was an amazing man. He was very kind. He painted a lot here at Babbitt's. He would come up and take pictures. Yeah. And go home and, and paint different things, but he, he was a, also a family friend. For me, I just look at Bill's artwork and it really is just amazing the detail and how right he would get his art. Like when you're a cowboy and a, yeah, a painter comes out to take pictures and then they paint something and you're like, that never happened or that's not what it looks like or different things like that, that gets kind of frustrating. But when they come out and they can you know, make a painting look so real and so true and accurate. Um, that makes it really fun. Bill is definitely at the top of my list for Western artists. Um, he just was a good guy and, and did amazing work. Michael's work, I just felt like the two really went hand in hand. Um, and that's why I like to think of bringing Michael onto the website. Michael's an upcoming artist. He um, had joined the CA just like Bill had been a part of. And his he has really good detail. I enjoy his paintings. And so I just thought the two of them really fit. So then all the artwork that you sell through Cowhorse Gallery, are they all originals or what does that look like, Danielle? I actually don't sell any of the originals. I sell numbered limited edition lithographs or jaclays. And that's what we sell. I, once I started with Ron, I really liked the fact that this artwork was in the price that the working cowboy that was at a camp could actually afford to hang in his house. Um, and so if I was selling originals, you know, you sell to a different caliber of people. So yeah, I don't sell any originals, just the numbered um, the numbered limited editions, um, which I, I mean, that's what we all have hanging in our houses. Um, and so it's really for the cowboy people or the people that enjoy the cowboy lifestyle that we target on our website. And for those who maybe aren't as familiar with art and that kind of stuff, you said you sell lithographs and jaclays. Is that what you said? Like, can yep. you explain like what those are or, or kind of, yeah. Process? So the lithograph, is how they used to do it. They would print 
say the addition would be 800, they would print 800 lithographs on a piece of paper all at the same time. You, The artist had to say how many he wanted out there and they would print those. And then you have this stack of lithographs. Um, and when you frame them, you put glass over them and they'll be numbered because there's only 800 or maybe there's only a hundred of them. Um, and so that's what the lithographs are. The jaclets are different and that's how the modern world has changed things. So they are still numbered just like the lithographs, but they don't get printed until somebody buys them. So when somebody makes an order, I send it to the printer, he prints them out and numbers them for us and then ships them to the customer. So, and it is not printed on paper, it's printed on canvas. And so you don't have to put the glass over it. There's no glare on it. It feels more like you're hanging an original in your house because you don't have that glare. You don't have the glass. The colors are more vibrant. I love the Jaclais. Um, I think that they're, well, they're just amazing. And yeah, I like hanging those in, in the house just because they feel so much like the original. So then obviously like through your business, you've probably had the opportunity to sell artwork across the U.S. Do you get to meet any of the people who buy the artwork, Danielle, or is it mostly just done via email and things like that? So I definitely meet some of the people because we, like we set up a trade show at the Colt Cell and at Cowpunchers. And so we sell like that. A lot of the people are Arizona ranching people that want to hang whoever they're close to in their house. And so our family, friends, and, you know, in the cowboy culture, everybody knows everybody kind of a thing. So you end up knowing a lot of the people, not everyone, but a lot of the people that we end up selling to. So you just mentioned the cowboy culture and I, I wanted to circle back to that. And kind of what that looks like in, in the presence of the cowboy on Babbitt ranches. We have several different cowboys at the different camps that go and take care of their country. It's definitely the cowboy culture is it's different than like being the doctor or the dentist or, you know, those different things. The cowboy culture is a lifestyle. And so you live on the ranch, you, everything revolves around this lifestyle, your job. And then in, in that, everybody is friends with everybody because the families live on the ranch. The cowboy culture is definitely, is definitely different. We'll have different people come out from church and they just always are amazed at how different it is it is just a different lifestyle out here, how we do things. And even like the way we talk or raise our kids or, you know, the responsibility that the kids have at a very young age, it's not necessarily what everybody else is doing right now in this world. And, but the, yeah, the cowboy culture just continues to live on the way it always has. What do you think it is that keeps that cowboy culture living on Danielle? Is it like the location of the ranch? Is it the size? You know, what has precipitated the need or the desire for that culture to continue on? I think it's kind of, I guess, the kids. When you take your kids to work with you, like like we do, and you instill in them all these different values and a love for this lifestyle, then it just continues year after year or generation after generation. I look at Thomas and we are completely 
willing, if he wants to go and do something else with his life um, and encouraging him to go to college and doing different things like that. And he is so strong. He just wants to cowboy. Well, if Clay would have never taken him, he wouldn't have the same love for this lifestyle as he does because he's got to go and do well, learn an occupation at 14 with his dad. Like I honestly feel he could go, we could put him at a camp and he could handle it um, at 14. And so that that's just different than all those other um, occupations. They aren't able to take their kids with them and instill in them the love for the lifestyle and I just think it makes a a huge difference. And that's why it just continues on and on and on. I think about like my family's farming operation and, you know, it was my grandpa and my dad and now my brothers and and seeing my nephews out there, like how fun it is. And, and for me to see that legacy continue. And I'm sure it's the same for you. Just, you know, that sense of getting to see your family continue on with something that is near and dear to your heart. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Our, our heart is definitely here at Babbitt's with all of us growing up here and there just being so much history here, it, I mean, this ranch is kind of like our life and it's almost like it's our own. Like we want this ranch to to succeed as if it was our very own ranch, even though we aren't the owners of the ranch. If you could give your younger self one piece of advice, Danielle, what would that be? That is a good, um, a good question. Maybe just to slow down and enjoy each moment instead of thinking I needed to rush through life. I'm a go-getter and I just am always on to the next, on to the next, on to the next, instead of slowing down um, and enjoying the moment, the little moments um, that end up making the biggest memory. So that would be, that would be one big thing. Um, Maybe to learn to have patience young, because then as a mom, it would really come in handy if you would have worked on having patience um, as a teenager on things. So that would that would probably be another and and really as a younger kid, just to build your relationship with Christ and your foundation there so that you're strong, so that when you're having the kids and it's getting hard to take time to have your quiet time and read your Bible and do your stuff that you already have that strong foundation. I didn't do very good with that as a teenager. And I wish I would have definitely been a different type of teenager. Kind of touching on that a little bit, Danielle, obviously like you're a mom and a wife and you have your homeschooling. So you're a teacher and you're involved with a business as a business owner and, and everything that's going on with the ranch. How do you balance all of the things that you have going on and and what does that kind of look like for you? So it's crazy is what it is right now, especially now that Clay's taking on the manager position for Babbitt's. Like he is way busier than he was. And I'm trying to run a business and homeschool and be a mom and keep my house clean and stuff like that. And so we're extremely busy and at times you just need to try to slow down and um, get your priorities straight for sure. The goal with the business was I was doing that on the side because my number one, my number one job is to be the wife and mom that I need to be. And so the business 
was needing to take, you know, the side, although it, it does keep me really busy at times. And that's why, you know, I haven't added more artists to the website or things like that is because I need to be able to teach my kids school and I need to be able to be the wife when Clay needs help or do different things. But also Clay is very helpful um, with that. Like he will come in and cook dinner a lot when I'm teaching school and even when I'm not. If I need to go do stuff with the business or I've been busy with the kids all day or whatever that looks like. So it's going about it more as a team of I help him, he helps me um, type of thing is kind of how our marriage works. And it seems to work well for us. It's really nice when you have the opportunity to balance and, and to work as a team, like you said, and share each other's strengths and weaknesses and carry the load when the other one needs some extra help and, and just to be able to help each other that way. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's super nice. One question, Danielle, that I ask all of the guests on the podcast is who a trailblazer has been in your life, someone who's inspired you and maybe encouraged you along the way and, and who that person has been and maybe what made them a trailblazer for you? I would have to say my parents. We'll start with my mom. My mom was an amazing wife to my dad. She stayed home and raised us girls and just supported my dad and and him running the ranch. I would say my dad, he had an unbelievable ability to just run a ranch the way he did. He would have several different things going, guys going three or four different ways in one day to get a job done extremely quick. Some people didn't really care for that because it's kind of stressful. Everybody's going a different way doing, you know, one, one set of guys might be trolling cows and the other set of guys gather in another pasture so that they can come in and then the next sets work in the cows so that the other guys can do this. Like it just is, you know, fast. But when you live on this big of outfit, you want to get the job done and get it job done fast. And he did an amazing job of doing that. And he had so much wisdom of, I mean, we would like being in a drought, like we were in and he was so calm. He would move and sell cows when he needed to sell cows, but keep cows when some people were like, what in the heck are you doing? And then it would rain, you know, and you'd be like, oh, wow. Okay. That worked out well. So he was a, an amazing ranch manager, cattleman, but then a dad and a grandpa still at the same time. So, um, yeah, I would say definitely my parents, they set big goals and, um, they did a really amazing job. Well, it definitely sounds like you have incredible parents and like your dad was, was an amazing man. And like you said, just even from what I'm hearing about Babbitt Ranch and, and how big the operation is and, and what an undertaking that was the, the poise and the wisdom that anyone would need, like you said, your dad or clay to run that. And it sounds like you learned a lot of valuable lessons from them. Yeah. It's kind of neat to have like clay worked for my dad and grandpa. And so he has a lot of those same abilities that my dad, because, you know, like dad trained him how to do this. And so to sit back and get to watch, um, 
Clay have so many of the same characteristics as my dad and be married to him. It's, it's super neat and fun. Is there anything else, Danielle, um, that we haven't touched on or that, that you'd like to talk about? Maybe just to encourage other moms to stay home and, and be a mom and love their kids. And it's our most important job out there. The time goes by so fast. And I'm just realizing that all the time, like my most important job and the thing that I you know, enjoy the most, even though some days like my patience is pushed a little bit is just being a mom. And like you said, it's such an important job and there's such value in that. And for sure, um, I really appreciate you sharing that advice too. Yeah. Well, we're never going to look back and think that we spent too much time with our kids. It goes by so fast and it's such an important job. So yeah, just encourage other moms to be able to do to value uh, their job. And I think maybe even to like, not to undervalue the work that you do at home. I feel like sometimes it's easy to say, well, I just stay home, but you don't, it's so much more than that. There's so much more to being a, a mom and a stay at home mom than, than it, I think we give ourselves credit for sometimes. Absolutely. I totally agree. Well, Danielle, thank you so much for sharing your heart and for telling us about Babbitt Ranches and Cowhorse Gallery. I really do appreciate you taking time to give us a peek into your life. Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed visiting with you. Honestly, I could have visited with Danielle for hours, and I hope you enjoyed hearing her story as much as I did. Living on the Babbitt Ranch sounds like such a unique experience, and I'm grateful Danielle gave us a glimpse into her life, including her journey to creating the Cowhorse Gallery. As Danielle said, life rarely goes the way we plan, and oftentimes it turns out better than we could ever dream. Thanks again for joining me for today's episode of Trailblazing in Agriculture. Join us again next time as we highlight more trailblazing women in agriculture.